0: November 30th, 2021, we in and if you count up from where the lines get wide, it's seven lines up, two, four, six, seven. Seven lines from where they get wide. So that's, I don't know, 20 or so lines, a little bit more than 20 from the top of the page. The first word on the line, Barishona. The Gemara brings us back to the final words in the Mishnah. Barishona hayu mekabirin aiduta hodash mikol adam if you recall, the Mishnah said, initially, in its first statement, at the beginning of this uh, of this and the second peric, it said that uh, we would need to accept witnesses specifically if we knew them. Who's we? The Dayanim and the Din and the Sanhedrin. If they weren't familiar with these witnesses, they would need others, that's how we interpret it in the Gemara, to testify about them being kosher witnesses continued the Mishnah and it said, the truth is, once upon a time, accepting the witnesses for Kiddush HaChodesh was no different than any other eidut. If you walk into court, if I walked into court, and we have testimony about Dinema Mamonot, about Dine Nefashot, about whatever the circumstance is, we're accepted. The assumption is, in Jewish law, that you have what's called a Hizkat Kashrut. We assume you're kosher until we have a reason to think otherwise. When it comes to تحضش, once upon a time, it was the same way. If they didn't know you, they would accept you. However, Misha Kilkiluha Baitusim said the Mishnah. What happened was these Baitusim, whom we discussed briefly yesterday, the sect who were opposed to traditional Jewish law, opposed to the Masoret, opposed to what we call Torash Baalpe, they looked to foil the system, and as a result, the Hachamim realized we need to change the system, and the witnesses we're going to accept are only ones we know, because otherwise the Baitusim might play with us and we might mess up the establishment of the new month. Now the Gemara will detail, based on a story, as to what those Baytusim A could have had in mind, and B, how they could have affected our system. Again, our fear is, you walk into the Betin, I don't know who you are, but I never know who you are. Over here I need to know who you are, because you might be either sent by or an actual Baytusim and looking to overthrow our system. Well, what is, uh, says the Gemara outside of the text, what is the fundamental disagreement that we're familiar with about the Baytusim as opposed to the traditional approach? It's a Gemara in Masechet Menachot, which details it in a lot more uh, the color. But it goes as follows. The Torah says in Parashat Emor, two times over the course of several Pesukim, that you would bring on the second day of Pesach, that's how we interpret it, what's called korban ha Now the words that describe the second day of Pesach in our traditional interpretation are the following. Mimahorat HaShabbat. shabbat that's right. It means mimahorat, like, like mahar, tomorrow, after Shabbat. In other words, Shabbat is a hard word to translate. You'd imagine, if we're a simpleton, if we're a Baitusi, it means Shabbat, Shabbat Bereshit. After the seventh day of the week, meaning on Sunday, that's when you would bring Korban HaOmer. That's the interpretation of the text, which means to say the second day of Pesach will always fall out for a see on Sunday. First day, always on Shabbat. If you're counting 49 days landing on the 50th day from the second day of Pesach, what we call Sefirat HaOmer, up into the holiday, which we call Shavuot, it means according to a baytusi, Shavuot will always fall on Sunday. It'll always be so. It needs to be so. And as a result, they will calculate when to bring this Korban. They would calculate it from the first Sunday on the holiday as opposed to the second day on the holiday. The question again is how to interpret the word Shabbat. They say Shabbat, seventh day. We say Shabbat holiday. Shabbat, Shabbaton is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur does not need to fall on. Shabbat It means a day of resting. That's the first day of the holiday. Well, that all being the case, you might say, so what does that have to do with us over here? What about the following circumstance? And the Gemara will tell us this is what took place. It just won't give us all these details inside. I need to give them to you outside. she fills in these details. This is the 30th day of the previous month falls on Shabbat, which means there's potential for Rosh Chodesh Nisan to be on Shabbat. The seem are like very excited about that. If Rosh Chodesh Nisan falls on Shabbat, it means the 15th of Nisan, the first day of Pesach, is Shabbat as well. If the 15th of Pesach is Shabbat as well, it means the second day of Pesach will be Sunday, Bajan, and they're very excited if that's the case, right? Everything's worked out. If you're a to see, you you're excited. That's a perfect calendar because in such a circumstance, I don't need to fight with my neighbor. Both me and my neighbor agree. We start counting the Omer on the second day of Pesach. I agree with him because nothing to do with the second day of Pesach, but it's a Sunday. It's the Sunday on Pesach. He says it's because second day of Pesach. I'd love for that to be the case. But the 30th was not actually Rosh Chodesh it was going to be a Chodesh Me'ubar, the 31st would have been Rosh Chodesh. So now the Baytusim have not not a dilemma, they have an opportunity. They want to now mislead the traditional court to believing that Rosh Chodesh was on the 30th. If Rosh Chodesh is on the 30th, which again was Shabbat, they've now set up their calendar, but they're lying to us. In reality, Rosh Chodesh would have been 31, meaning after those 30 days, it was a Chodesh Mi'ubar, day 31 was going to be Rosh Chodesh, in which case, of course, everything would be thrown off. We would then have our second day of Pesach being a Monday, and they would then be looking later, everything would be thrown off. Says so the Gemara, in that circumstance, what happened was the following, Tanur Rabbanan, says the Gemara, So how was it, that they looked and did almost foil our system. Pa' once it happened, ot et They looked to mislead, to make a, to lead to a mistake amongst the hachamim. I explained to you the context. Adam. What they did was these paytusim, again the sect who's fundamentally interested in the most simple interpretation of the Torah. For our purposes over here, what does Shabbat mean? It means the seventh day. Don't give me, it means the first day of the holiday. It means the second day. That's the fundamental, second, I mean the first day of the week. That's the fundamental machlokit. So as a result, they went ahead and they, on the 30th day, they came to two people and they said, will you guys testify that you saw the new moon? So, said, well, we didn't see a new moon. They flashed some money, zoos, 400 zoos, each one of them was going to get 200 zoos. You have to understand, that's a sizable amount of money. Keep in mind as well, what's the day of the week, the 30th? It's Shabbat. They're doing this all on Shabbat, I guess, you know, if you... If it's a mitzvah, they were willing to transgress, even for themselves, Shabbat, or maybe they did commerce on Shabbat, irrespective of that. So they turned to these two witnesses and say, each of you will get 200 zoos, a lot of money if you go and falsely testify. These witnesses, these false witnesses, one of them was ours. That's Chachmei Talmud speaking. That's the Beraita speaking. It's of ours, in other words, they were, he wasn't a Baitusi. They didn't know or they didn't look into it. They said, are you willing to falsely testify? I said, sure, I'm signed up for it. I actually knocked on your door, the Gemara will make clear to us, in excitement to throw off those rabbis. Let's do away with them. But one of them was theirs. One of them was a faithful adherent to Baitus, or the Baitusi uh, uh, sect. It says the Gemara, what happened was, the one who was a true Baitusi, Uh, again, hired, uh, rented for the day to falsely testify for 200 zoos. He, on Shabbat, enters into Sanhedrin. He gives his testimony. He saw the new moon. He leaves. He's done. His testimony is checked into the system and now as long as we have one more witness who testifies that today is the new moon, that today is Rosh Chodesh, it's done, they've won in their attempt to establish that. The second day of Pesach will fall out on Sunday even though it should fall out on a Monday. Shelanu, the one of, who was not an adherent to the Beit in other words, our guy, he enters, and Amrudo, they checked him out, they said, so how would you see this moon? Describe it to us, where were you, what did it look like in the sky, were there clouds, and so forth. He says to them this very strange description, which already has them thinking, when you're telling the whole poetic, strange scenery, It makes me think something's off over here. You walked in, I asked you to describe the moon, and you told me a story about, uh, I don't know, well, we'll see in a second, animals and fables and strange details, I'm already thinking either this guy is smoking something or he's trying to hint to me that something's askew, that something's awry. He says, He says, I was rising up in a place in Israel, which exists until today, known as Ma'ale Adumim. So far, okay. It's Shabbat. You're walking up a mountain of some sort in a mountainous area. And I saw the moon. It appeared as if the moon was squatting in between two stones. All right, that's still an imagery. You're going up the mountain. You saw it over there. Rosho, the head of the moon, the le'egil, was similar to a calf. Oznav, the ears of the moon, domin was similar to a kid. Karnav, the horns of the moon, domot lesvi, or similar to a deer. Znavo, the, the tail of the moon, Ben Yarkotav was tucked in between its legs. I mean, what's happening over, over here? here. All <laughs> we wanted you. Yes. All we wanted you to do was to tell us what the moon looked like. You told us a funny story describing every aspect of the moon, giving it horns, giving it legs, giving it uh, a, 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 a tail. What's happened? He I looked at it, says this false witness, again, who's from us, who's not looking to mislead the hachamim, but accepted the money, finds himself in Sanhedrin. He says, like I peered at it, and it was, I was startled then I felt and in turn I fell backward that's the that's the testimony I, you know someone walks in I've never heard something like that I was thinking this, I'm, he's saying this to the Sanitrin to the Baitin and that was where he really reveals it. you have to imagine they're so puzzled as he's speaking but now he says and if you don't believe me and if you don't believe me here in my cloth which I'm holding over my back I have 200 zoos. It's Shabbat, and you brought 200 zoos, such a sizable amount of money. You're clearly trying to tell us something. You're clearly using code words. You might be nervous about the Baitusim hearing that you admit, whatever the circumstance is, but you're trying to tell us something. Amrulo, they turned to them and they said, what's going on over here? Miiz kechalakah, who brought you up to this? Who forced you into this situation? Amar says this witness, Again, during a time where we didn't used to check the witnesses. During a time where we just believed everyone who walked in. During a time of but rabbinic naivete. I heard that the Baitusim were looking to mislead the Chachamim. I'm from you guys. I like your approach. I'm an adherent to the Pirushim, against the Tzidukim, against the Baitusim. I said to myself, I said to myself, I will go and I'll be the informer. Because if I'm not the person who gets in there, who's able to act as the spy, as the person who's gonna who's gonna tell the chachamim what's actually going on, they're gonna find from their sect people who can dress up like us and mess mess with the chachamim. Amrul the chachamim heaving a sigh of relief, realizing that they almost threw everything off. Keep in mind, this would be false testimony, which would lead to all sorts of other issues. It would mean in the future we're uncertain ever when the Rosh Chodesh, which is effectively what happened, Amrulo, they said to him, listen sir, we really, you know, we appreciate what you did. Not only that, you know those 200 zoos, you might be saying to yourself that sizable amount of money, you just threw it away. Why did you do it or throw it away? Your job was to falsely testify. Did you falsely testify? You didn't falsely testify. Do you now, and we know you're a good guy, do you now think that you need to return that money to the Baitusim? So, you know, in this room we'll probably say, of course not. But come on, think about it. They did hire him to do a job, and he didn't do the job. Say the Chachamim, we found a way for you to hold on to that money. Amru matayim tunin lecha you can have that money bim Matana as a present. Is it the job? is it the is it the place for the Hachamin to take the money of the Tussim and hand it over as a Matana explains Rashi. They were utilizing a method which is known as Hefker Betin. Hefker Betin, the halacha is Hefker, which means to say the high court or the rabbinic court has the authority, have it in very small and specific circumstances in American law as well, to seize the property of someone else and in turn to allow others to redeem it. Go ahead. How is this that different from what the like, Father what did and trying to do from what we done a few ago what the, people are but at the end of the day, it's very You are right, Judah. You are right that, ultimately speaking, we were able to skew the system for it to work accordingly. However, if it's coming from the outside, as opposed to from the inside, there's problems over here. You know what I'm saying? You're right. In terms of the establishment, we're less fearful. I didn't at any point say now we're going to be eating hametz on Pesach. I purposely left those words out because once the establishment is so, atem afilu mutaim is the Even if you made a mistake in the establishment, that is the establishment. However. We're now giving in to the baytusim. However, we now have the baytusim continuously fighting with us and winning sometimes. That's the fear more than anything. 100%. It's not in terms of the mechanism of how it was established. It's in terms of the fear of our ongoing battle with the baytusim. Anyway, so, 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 they, so they, they allow for him to keep the money with this method known as Hefkir betin. If we determine that your property should be uh, ownerless and in turn this guy can take possession of it, then that's what we will do and that's what they did. Yes, th- yes doc the even though it was off from camp didn't start questioning Well, why was it off from our camp? We didn't know one way or another. He's testifying today I saw the new moon Chalas, Nothing to do with it. He, he didn't say and therefore the second day will be a Sunday that wasn't his issue. He walks into court the Batus he says, I saw the new moon they said tell us about it. He says I was on this mountain and I looked up and I saw the new moon. Halas finished. Do they, it to be a day they, they don't have they go based on the moon as well. They follow the Torah, The only thing they do differently is that the description of mimahorat Shabbat is not from the second day of the holiday, but rather from Sunday. They do the exact same count as us. They're just looking within our system to establish that the Sunday will also be the second day of Pesach. Nothing more, nothing. Of course. That's right. It was the thirtieth day of the month. It's no different. They were working within our system, and they did work within our system. They just had nuanced differences in understanding interpretation. Long before, yeah. Says the Gemara. Okay. What's that? Not necessarily, but you have to imagine we have a certain strength. We have a certain strength. In other words, the question is, are the Baitusim now gonna say, oh, that's rightfully yours. Not necessarily, but now that this fellow walks back out, assuming that we had a certain rabbinic strength or jurisdiction at that time period, we turn to the Baytusim and we put security guards in front of the guy's house or whatever, you know what I'm saying, in other words? Or he can come out and, I mean, he, there's many ways of, of, of describing this. You're right, You know, technically speaking, he's still gonna have to deal with them, but what about internally? How's he gonna deal with this? Did I just steal from them? They're saying no, to him, no, yeah. Do we also see from this case uh, the good witness, That protecting the correct day of Rosh Kodesh, you're allowed to violate Shabbat in the same sense as declaring Rosh Kodesh you're allowed to violate Shabbat. He took the money with the intention to protect Rosh and and Beidin said keep the money, you don't have to give it back, it's your money, hold it, no problem. Yeah, so what's that proving? He's allowed to take the money on Shabbat, he's allowed to obey Shabbat to protect the wrong day from happening. I mean, this was a Sha'at Ad-Dahak, number one. It was, it's a very pressing circumstance. Furthermore, listen, money we don't handle on Shabbat and it's muxeh, and you're not allowed to do commerce, it's me'kah u'memk'ar, she'me' the hachamim. Ultimately speaking, money and commerce on Shabbat, which are fully prohibited with all severities of the law, but they're Midr-a-banan. So the hachamim turning to him, even if, and I'm not certain they did, they said to him, now take the money and go home, which I don't think they did. But if they did, you can understand that it's a like in the first place. They're now allowing for him, they're waiving it in this circumstance. It's not going to extend to Yisurim and HaTorah, this sort of violation. Anyway, says the Gemara, so that, that in the middle of their statement, they say to him, you could keep the money, no problem. Furthermore, the and those who hired you, you should know what we want to do to them. Al-Ha'amud, al he should be uh, laid out. On the uh, on the platform, on the uh, on the, the pillar, which is in Beit Din, which the Mishnah Masechim Makot and Daf Kaf Be'et describes, does exactly how that was done. You would lay the individual down, lean him against it, and then start giving him lashes. What they're Im- what they're implying over here is the person who did that. We should give him lashes. Uh, in other words, those Baitusim, if we could get our ha- hands on them, we would give them lashes. Now we would have a punitive measure. Measure. We would punish them. They're trying to deal with our system to skew it to throw us off. We should give them lashes if we have the power and the ability. To do so, it was at that time after the Hachamim realized we're really under the threat of the Baitusim, they're really out there to try to foil our system. We began to only accept witnesses for Kiddush Chodesh for the new month from Makirin, from those who we recognize. And if you didn't recognize them, as the Mishnah said, you sent others who the Beit Din did know who could vouch for their kosherness. So from yes. One story it's one important story at a time during which this is what we're under a major threat from. I, you know, it's hard to parallel it today, but you can think about it. You know, we could figure it out in one way or another. It's when the traditional approaches to let's call it Judaism are under attack, and we fear that those who are threatening it are gaining steam, gaining power. We're now, as a result, going to internally look to solidify our system even more to distance ourselves from them because we fear that they're going to take over. That's right. And how often is this going to take place? Not all that often, that it's going to be the 30th is on Shabbat. Nonetheless, we have to be very careful here. They're infiltrating our system. Yeah? In a similar way. I suppose so. In a similar way. All right, says the Gemara onward in the Mishnah, it says the Mishnah Barishona Hayu Masi'in Masu'ot. The way it used to work initially was after the establishment of the new month of Rosh Chodesh in Yerushalayim in the Sanhedrin, which was right adjacent to the Mikdash. What they would do is, and the Gemara will explain how we know that's what this word means. Masi'in Masu'ot. Of course, L'aset means to raise, but over here it means to raise flames. They would light torches. Why were they lighting torches? We'll see in just a moment in the Mishnah, they would have one torch, which would then be seen by a mountain far away, and they would in turn light the torch as well. This is on the day they established as Rosh Chodesh. In turn, the mountain far away from that would light a torch and so forth, until the torches reached to Bavil, and you'd be in Bavil, and then they'd all be lighting fires to get out the word that today is Rosh Chodesh. Why are you you interested in doing so? You don't have time to send messengers out to Bavil, out to where all all the other Jews are living, and you want to establish, and you want them to know, when Rosh Chodesh is pre-internet before the telephones and any of the communication devices we have today, this is the way they were able to get out the word in the most effective fashion. So why, what's Barishona? This time it wasn't the Baitusim who were messing with it, it was a different sect known as the Kutim. We'll discuss them in just a second. They then established that no longer will we have our torch system, we'll rather have to dispatch actual... Uh, messengers. What sort of messengers? Well, messengers that we would pay them and tell them go out. It was less effective, it takes a lot of time to either travel by foot or travel on animal to make your way out there, but we needed to do so because they messed with us. How would they mess with us? They would light their own torches on their own nights and throw off our entire system. Who were the Kutim? Why would they be interested in doing this? The Kutim, we understand from Pesukim in the Torah, the Gemarati and the Masechet Kiddushin and Daf'ayin He describes the Kutim. Kutim were individuals who were placed in Eres Yisrael during the time of Samheriv. As he banishes, as he throws out much of Am Yisrael and their, their Niglu during his time period exiled, he then brings in these people from Kuta. He brings in many people from all over the place. So lots of, we envision them as degenerates. And you have these Kutim. Kutim were over the course of time, a thorn in the side of the uh, traditional uh, Jewish uh, uh, adherents. Why so? They had all sorts of different opinions. We were never fully certain whether they had a real conversion. We know they did convert. The Pesukim and Navi seem to describe them as converting out of fear. Uh, We're uncertain whether that transformed into a real conversion. Generally speaking, in the Gemara and the Mishnah, we assume the Kutim are not real converts and they're only causing us problems. The, the Pesukim describes describe fear from uh, lions, but it seems to describe furthermore fear from the Jewish establishment in Eretz Israel, uh, not from some uh, Eretz. Uh, well, that being the case the Kutim over here unlike the Baytusim the Baytusim had a systematic plan they wanted the system to go like them as a result what was their kilkul cool? their kilkul cool was how and when to establish the Rosh Chodesh on the day that would make sense for them the Kutim are just interested in throwing out, throwing down the whole establishment and as a result they would just want to throw it off so when Rosh Chodesh wasn't on day 29 they'd be putting up their things that Rosh Chodesh if it wasn't on day 30 they'd be putting up things as if it was on day 30 when it was on day 30 they'd been putting up no, they were just looking to mess with the system that's the kutim and as a result we realized we can't keep this system at all how indeed did they used to raise those flames on these mountaintops they were, They brought uh, what's that? poles of some sort made of eres. Eres is cedar wood arukin they were long ones vikanim and other sorts of uh, sticks and staffs and poles ve'atseh and other uh, strong wood aur it chal peshtan and peshtan is facts what's peshtan yeah Flax. flax and the ne'oret of pishtan means like the, uh, the, the when you would roll the pishtan, the stuff that fell off from the side. In other words, you're building these tall um, poles uh, with a lightable uh, d- uh, substance, this pishtan. Then you'd tie them together. So you had strong wood tied together with flax. And you'd go up to the top of the mountain. And then you would light a fire to them. And as a result, that fire would be seen from from far away instead of fireworks. And you'd raise and you'd put down and you move forward and you move backwards so that the people on the adjacent or the far mountain who are most close to you could see it. Until you see the people on the other mountain distant from you, they're doing the same thing. You're done with your job and now the system continues with them. And so too, from the second to the third and so forth. And how did they begin Begin and continue. What mountains? The Mishnah will tell us exactly which mountains they used to do this on. Mehar haMishcha. They would begin with Har haMishcha. The word Mishcha is generally a translation of oil. Says so Rashi. It's a reference over here to Har Hazetim, which of course is the mountain of olives from which you make oil. We know where Har is today. It's a. It's a cemetery place right next to Yerushalayim today. So they'd start right there, right next to Yerushalayim. You come out, it's to the east of Har to You go to Har HaZetim, and that's where they would start the raising of these torches. And they'd go from that mountain to Sartava, another mountain, um, different mountain, different um, mountain. And this last mountain, which is on the outskirts of Eretz Israel, which outlooks, it sounds like, or looks out to Bavel you didn't then go to another mountain. And then from that last mountain, you'd look down and see in this valley area of Babel that everybody's lighting lights and everybody now knows that the establishment of Rosh Chodesh was today. This was their light system. This is the way they used to get out the word before Kilkul Hakutim. sounds like Shani because it's in Babel, but the Kutim are all the way back it's after what's that it's after mm-hmm. destruction of first because you're dealing with it's in second and you still have people in Babel. the Kutim mm-hmm. are still mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. But they're still mm-hmm. around so after Sanhedrin destruction of the first you have the Kutim now prol- proliferate I, they the first. I mean you have his involvement you know whatever I'm saying when, when this exile what's that why can't they mess around the everyone and, and we're going to get the word out that we're changing the sign and we're not going to be caught by the coup team? Why not? I don't no, know. No I don't there. know what to tell you. But Apparently, it was no, not effective. But it wasn't, I mean, again, what, what could have happened was on a different day they got up to the mountain and they just spread the word. I, I don't, I mean, it, you're I not really dealing with that, the yeah. scientific system. It's yeah. easy to overthrow. Anyway, says the Gemara, my Mashmad Masi'in, Lishna decode. Says the Gemara, how do you know that that word Masi'in at the beginning of the Mishnah is a reference to lighting a fire? The word Masi'in means to raise. Yes, we're using it in the context of lighting a fire. We're looking over here to understand the etymology of the word. Who told you? Do you have a source for that word Masi'in Masu'ot? to mean not just raising something up, but raising a fire. Again, the imagery is easy, because when you light a fire, it kind of rises. But do you have sources for that? T'chitiv, as the pasuk says in the context of David. pasuk in Sefer Bet describes how David destroys the pelishtim, or wins in a war against the pelishtim. And then they leave in that place their idols. And the pasuk says that David and his people, Vayisaim David they light, they torch the idols of the pelishtim after the pelishtim flee. Well, clearly the word vayisaim in that context is a reference not to lifting up the idols, but rather torching the idols. That's what umetargeminan, says the Gemara, the targum of, uh, in, in uh, of course, the Aramaic targum, which the Gemara Masechet Megillah says in the Torah, we have the targum of Unculus In Nevi'im, we generally assume the the hachamim, say it's targum of Yonatan ben Uziel. The targum is the or okdinan David. David then lit them. So it means he lit them on fire. That's the word va'yisaim in turn in Amishnah. Masiin is a reference not to just raising it up, but to torching or to creating a torch. tanura banan says the Beraita onward in describing these torches, which once existed as our system for getting out the word of when Rosh Chodesh was. And masuot al The only time that they would have this torch system in the in The next few lines, the next few minutes, we'll discuss why it was so what I'm about to state to you but it goes like this they would only do it for Hadish Shi abizmano which means to say when you had a hadish hasir when you had a 29 day month and the 30th day was going to be going to be then you'd be raising the torches if it was a 30-day month and 31 is Rosh hadish we call that a hadish Meubad. in such a circumstance they would not do this torch system why don't you always do it of course the gemara will ask those questions but that's the stated fact initially the Biraita says it was only done in circumstances is where it was Mano on day 29. But again, this is before the tricking. Once we were tricked, we stopped the whole thing. And when is it that you would torch them? At the night of the 30th, which is or Iburo, right? It's going into the 31st. That's when this would be that's when this would be done. Says the Gemara This seems to imply the Ah, hasir avdinan, you would do this torch uh, notification system on a hodish hasir, one more time, what's a Chodesh Haseh? 29 days, meaning the 30th day is Rosh Chodesh. That's when you would do it. A maleh on the month, which was maleh, meaning it's a 30-day month, what we call the pregnant month, the Chodesh la La'avdilan, you would not torch. You would not have your torch system to notify everyone. Ma'ita'ama, what's the reason for this? I don't understand. Once you're establishing Rosh Chodesh, if you're going to and we'll read about it in the Mishnah, establish it in Beit and say, Me'kudash, it's a, the month which now is sanctified this day. Why don't you have the torches? Let everybody know. I mean, what's, uh, why are you distinguishing? The Kness sends out an email for Rosh Hodesh every month, irrespective of whether it was a 30 day month or a 29 day month. Why would you do any differently? If this was all done because of the Gezerah, we were safeguarding the mistake which would have been made in a circumstance where day 29 was a Thursday, day 30 was going to be Friday, which was Rosh Chodesh, but it's now a circumstance where I can't light the torches because Friday night is Shabbat. Well, what are you going to do in such a circumstance? Such a situation, it's day 29, going into day 30. Day 30 now is Rosh Chodesh, it's a Friday. I would need to light my torches that night. Can't light them that night, so what am I going to do instead? I'll do it on Mosai Shabbat. I can't do it the night before, I haven't seen the moon yet. I saw the moon on day 30. I'm establishing day 30 as Rosh Chodesh. But I can't light my torches because it's Friday night. It's Shabbat. What's that? You're, allowed you're only allowed to, you're allowed to be Mechalil Shabbat mechalil for Tikri Uotam for establishing, not for notifying. We were explicit about that. To dispatch the shalichim, they can't be mechaleel Shabbat. Right? They can only be mechaleel Shabbat for tikre'u, for establishing, not for oh, then oh, notifying. notifying. This is for notifying. When would they uh, do their torch system, their notification? On Shabbat, which of course is a day late, but at least get the word out that yesterday or two days ago was uh, it's Saturday night, Friday was Rosh Chodesh. Says the Gemara, what would happen in such a Circumstance, If you were to tell me, if you were to tell me that we do the torch system both on Chodesh Maleh and on Chodesh Haser, either when it's the 30th or the 31st, ir- first, irrespective, people would get confused. People would become confused. They'd make a mistake. It's Saturday night. Why are we seeing torches? Well, yesterday, this past day, Shabbat was day 31. Is it because day 31 was Rosh Chodesh? Or is it because day 30 was Rosh Rosh Hodesh, and they just weren't able to torch those things on Shabbat. People would say, Amre, hay hasiru." It was this month, a Hodesh Hasir, meaning a twenty-nine day month, and thirty Friday was Rosh Chodesh. The hay avid me etmol, and the reason they didn't do the torches last night, meaning on Friday night, mishum de because they can't because it's Shabbat. but the people would uh, would would then say, "But maybe not. Maybe malehu ubizmano abdu." And as a result, these torches are actually established that Shabbat was Rosh Chodesh that threw people off and as a result we established that we'll only do the torch system on Chodesh Hasir as a result if you see the torches on Saturday night you're aware that Friday was Rosh Chodesh and not Shabbat. How are you aware? We only do the torches on a Chodesh Haser. And if day 30 was Friday, it means the torches, which are now on Saturday night, were for day 30, which was Friday. Says the Gemara, I still don't understand, because you could still do the torch notification system, both for day 30 and day 31. However, on those rare occurrences where Rosh Chodesh is on Friday, meaning day 30 is on Friday. You should not do torches at all. Again, now I know, right? I'm standing out in Bavil. I'm waiting on Saturday night. I wonder if Friday was Rosh Chodesh or if Saturday was Rosh Chodesh. I'm looking up the sky, no torches. What do I understand? If it was a Chodesh Maleh, and I know they always do torches, it's Saturday it was Rosh hadish If it's a Chodesh Haser, I know in this circumstance they don't do torches, and I'll know as a result, if there's nothing up in the sky, this was day 31, clearly day 30 was my Rosh Chodesh, and they just couldn't do the torches. The de Shabbat amaleh, and since we now saw that on Saturday night there were no torches, and generally speaking, you do torches if we were to envision it this way, both on Haser and Amaleh, medayad everybody would know, it means Friday, day 30, was really the Rosh Chodesh, answers the Gemara, it's a beautiful system, but we're dealing with human beings who forget how things work. Nonetheless, people would make a mistake. What do you mean they make a mistake? We'll teach them the system, educate them. All right, they would still forget and everyone would be thrown on. Amre, People would say, says the Gemara, they would maybe say to themselves, the truth is, I think that day thirty-one was chodesh, meaning Shabbat. But wait a second, my neighbor. So Stanley says, "But you didn't see the torches up in the sky." Stanley, you know why they weren't torches? Because they were honest. Because, says Rashid, they got drunk on Shabbat. The beit Din got drunk on Shabbat, and well, they didn't have a chance to do it on Saturday night. When you talk about yeah, that's right. So Stanley says, No, I'm telling you, it's not the way it's just uh, come on, Stanley. You really give those rabbis so much credit. That's what would make V'le'avid, says the Gemara last line over here. So, why don't you flip it? I got it. So, your whole system needs to be only could do on one month, you could only do it on the month which is either haser or male, otherwise, people get thrown off in that specific circumstance. So, do it on chodesh male, do it on day 31, on the night of 31. Instead of day 30, it says the Gemara amara shum too We'll return to those words and explain what they mean tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Amen.